Ben Heisler joining the show. Welcome into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Arrowhead Pride, the most popular Chiefs website on all of the internet. Pass sidearm, pass intercepted. It's Dan Sorensen, a pick six. Dan Sorensen, dirty Dan Sorensen. All Chiefs, all all the time. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. And welcome into Arrowhead Pride Radio. This week of Christmas, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, he's the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Good evening, Pete. Good evening, Jay. Interesting week, huh? A lot of stuff. The injury report's out today. Chiefs only had two guys in the injury report. Two guys, that's right. <laughs> what a dumb injury full, report. Full practices for Andrew Wiley and Ben Neiman, but there is the COVID issue as well. We'll just dive into his who's on the list right now. We had guys off the list. Right. And we've had... Do you just, want to say the current list? Or are we going to say the guys off? It's the, the, the guys off. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, we had got uh, Willie... Go ahead. Yeah. Josh Gordon at practice and Willie Gay Jr. was at practice, so they are off. Chris Jones remains on, and then we also had Legereus Sneed, not a COVID-related thing. He seems to be back in the mix from that personal matter. We don't have to get into that. And then here are the guys. And Chris Jones, on. you said you were still waiting on that. Still waiting on Jones. Okay. Yeah, Jones on the COVID list. Jones, Butker, Kelsey, Hill, Fenton, Bell, Ward, Bolton, Long, Luke, Kyle Long. Might as well throw that in there because apparently who's the long guy Jay's talking about? Lucas Niang, Armani Watts, Mike Rimmers was added today, as you said. Uh, um, on the practice squad, you have Dieter, Darius Harris, Doris Fountain. By the way, Dalton Schoen from Blue Valley Northwest. Right. Re-added to the practice today. And Paul Adams from Mizzou. If you go to our... to the practice. Yeah. But anyway, that, that's if the Chiefs go, list. Yeah, it's quite extensive. If you go to our website, I mean, typically Wednesday to Friday, our deputy editor, John Dixon, helps me out with this. Where we put up the injury report. And it looks ridiculous today, as we kind of alluded to. It's simply Ben Neiman and Andrew Wiley. And if you're asking, well, why is that? The guys that are on the reserve COVID-19 list are technically not on the active roster, meaning they don't need to appear in the injury report. So what's weird about that is these guys that are injured and maybe receiving you know, some sort of remote treatment or, or whatever, how they're working on their injuries, we don't even really know about it because when you receive any treatment of any sort, like Ben Neiman and Andrew Wiley did today, even despite being full participants – you appear on the report. So if you want to say it's a mess right now in Kansas City, that's a little bit of an understatement. You did have the good news today that there, as Jake opens a, a bang energy drink, as you just heard, Thanks, you, you do have the good news today that only Wiley, who is on injured reserve, he has been added to the COVID list. No other active, or I'm sorry, not Wiley, Remmers. Remmers was added to the the COVID-19 list. No active players. Wiley would be the one to likely start at right tackle right now with Lucas Niang on the list. And we'll see who the Chiefs get back this week. It's a little bit easier to get through the the protocol now. And as far as the Steelers, Big Ben's got the pack, full participant today. But the interesting notes here, Pat Fryermuth, their tight end, still did not practice concussion. Yeah, ugly concussion. Concussion. Chris Wormley, their starting defensive end, did not practice well, got the growing strain, did not practice. Five Steelers. Uh, went on the COVID list. Montrevious Adams, Zach Brenner, uh, Marcus Allen, not the one that uh, was the running back, and one of their practice oh, you're squad guys. Me not, not the the old old. No, timer, not Marcus that one. Allen. All right, just make the big sure. one was Devin Bush. Hmm. Uh, Sixty six tackles this year, couple tackles for loss, two sacks, forced fumble. He's out on the COVID list at this point. We don't know. They like the Chiefs. They could come back or not come back. We don't know. But that's the Steelers uh, list so far. So they started to get hit today a little bit. So uh, the Steelers. Well, I actually think, and, y- you know, like, this is always the preface, like, we are not 
doctors, so we don't really know. But I, I tend to think in realm, the realm of COVID, it feels like the Chiefs bleeding may be done because they didn't get any more positives. So you would think, okay, you know, maybe they, they haven't been around each other enough to have this continue to tailspin into an outbreak. This is the first that we saw of Pittsburgh. And so I almost think that Pittsburgh is more likely to have cases tomorrow than Kansas city. Kansas city might be done. Like you might have who you have on the list and you're just going to get some of them back. Some of them won't be back. Uh, I went through the percentages before it, Typically these guys getting back before would be like the 10 days is, is around 20%. I, I know the chiefs are optimistic that they'll get some of these guys back. I know that Ian Rappaport and the word has been that Travis Kelsey has had mild symptoms. It, it still remains mysterious. We don't know for sure who the Chiefs might get back, but I, I just tend to think you're not going to see a ton more guys go on the COVID list this week, and of course you're just knocking on wood at this point. Well, yeah, but the Steelers had that. But here's the good news. The good news is, if there's any good news, that once you've gotten COVID, you're not tested for 90 days, so it's the rest of the season. So you need the guys that the Chiefs to come once off Once of they come back. Yeah, once they come back, they're not tested again. They're good for the year. Yeah, good for the it, year, 90 days. It, that was part of the rule change that the NFL made. Again, the threshold, it still is negative tests, but the amount of COVID that is in your system is a little bit lower per the new test. It's, it's complicated. Moral of the story, as Jay was alluding to, is once these Chiefs are back, they're back until – the Chiefs are either eliminated or they are riding in a, I guess, socially distanced Super Bowl parade. Andy Reid was asked today, has there been any discussions to move the game? Uh, not that I've heard of, no. It hasn't come through me. So there you go. Andy Reid says I thought- gave, Tomlin's going to be answering this too because now, yeah. and again, they're going to look and say, well, the Chiefs have had these problems too. Right, right, right. But here's the one thing about it. We saw it on game day, at least the games that were moved to Monday and Tuesday. Obviously, Sunday is a different animal as far as the testing on Saturday and being cleared by the afternoon to play. Washington had 16 guys yeah. on their COVID list, and they were playing Philly, and they had a separate jet outside of Dulles waiting for those guys that were cleared to fly to Philadelphia. Only one guy cleared those protocols. And we're seeing this, Baker Mayfield. That, that's the, that's the, the worrisome part is – you know, like the Browns still had to play with all the without you know right. all those guys, even though they moved the game back, it didn't really matter in their it, case, yeah. or it didn't matter in Seattle's case either. It becomes complicated because exactly that, right? You have the backup of the backup of the backup playing in Washington. You have Nick Mullins starting for Cleveland, and so you might push this back, let's say, to Tuesday. And you still don't have Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill. And now on top of that, you're on short rest preparing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so initially I, I figured, okay, maybe this game you know might get postponed. But as time goes on here and, and you're really thinking about it and, and weighing it, at this point, if Patrick Mahomes is good to go, I think you play the game. I, you, you look at Las Vegas right now, and Vegas to me is, is the greatest indication. I know more and more people are becoming – familiar with sports betting this originally was a, a 10 point favorite for the chiefs there's still seven and a half point favorites that's a pretty big favorite in the nfl despite missing two future hall of famers potentially in tyree kill and travis kelsey and as i said on the kelsey front i think the chiefs are optimistic that he gets back in the mix here you know again potentially so 
I think you play the game. It may be a little bit uglier. Oh, the Chiefs have had a lot of ugly wins this year, but it might be uglier than usual, uglier than it was maybe on Thursday night or the game against the Raiders before. If you can win the game, start to get more of these guys back. You got to feel be you got to become feeling pretty good, you know, as you start to look into the the postseason here. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, brings us to our feet. Our first peak question of the day. Andy <laughs> Reid met the media today, and you were asking about just that. Hey, Coach. Uh, obviously. Uh, Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey are, are pretty big names to to be on this list. When you receive that kind of news, just what's your reaction? What are the conversations amongst the offense like in, in potentially having to respond without them? Yeah, so Pete, we you know, we've gone Pete through this for two years now. So um, <laughs> you know, anything's possible and we get it. And the next guys, you know, we've got to be ready to go. There's there's a you know, they've given us opportunities to replace people with with a, the number of practice squad and elevations and this and that. So, you know, we, we just go next man up and, and roll and hope those guys get better. I mean, it's, it's the same way on the other side with the fellas, Pete. They, they've got to stay prepared, too. Uh, they don't know when they'll test back in. And, um, and so they've got to be ready to go that way, too. So, you know, it's a... It's a crazy thing that's uh, in motion, fluid, uh, as you'd say. So we just gotta just gotta hang with it and make sure everybody's prepares themselves and ready to play. You know, I'll say this about Andy Reid. He's been so even killed with everything. I mean, right. he, he likes to control everything, but this thing you can't. And he knows that he can't control this. And it's about just who's the next guy up. I mean, this really, really tests who the good coaches are or not in the National Football League. Yeah, I I really like this week. I, of course, don't like the circumstances, but I, I'm a huge fan outside looking in of Mike Tomlin. And the sense that I get between Reed and Tomlin is they're essentially saying the same thing in their own way, right? Andy Reed is mild-mannered and, and says, we have all these things in place to battle back. It's got to be fine. Next man up. We're prepared, so on and so, so forth. Mike Tomlin gets on and he goes, I do not care, essentially, in, in his Tomlin way of saying things, but essentially they're saying the same thing. And to me, that's what you have in two Hall of Fame coaches that are going to be going out of it or at it this Sunday. And I, I just love that fact between these guys. And this isn't just a COVID thing this week where everything is going awry and it's going crazy. It's anytime these guys have injuries. It's a, it's a no excuse, no nonsense way of going about things. They just have different ways to depict that to the audience. 100%. You know, I just like Andy Reid's approach on everything. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're prepared if that happens. Um, I mean, you can't predict it. Uh, we went this long uh, without it, and so now we're kind of working through it. And uh, you see different teams going through these stretches where that happens. And, um, you know, that's kind of where we're at. So I, I don't know what's going to happen going forward. It's business as usual with these teams. And some of these things you can say, why does these things always happen to us? It's happened to a lot of teams. And it's it's just look at the Chargers, yeah. for example. Eckler just went on today. Bose is on it. I mean, none of these – and they have the Texans this weekend, so not, not too bright good. for them. But regardless, they're all dealing with this. But, again, you see the good coaches that prepare for these opportunities, Pete. And he talked about this. It's, it's business as usual, the same game plan, just different faces. And then you get that little bit of a boost or lift when you have guys come back. I mean, I, I think it's the same game plan to an extent. I, I think we can ask our lead analyst, Ron Kopp, more about this in the upcoming segment. 
I think you got to look at your team right now. And I know that Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill are still in these meetings virtually as they prepare. And I think it's an A and B type of thing. I think your A plan is to make a game plan offensively like you're you're going to have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and you hope that they're able to to get through this protocol. To me the B plan is who's the next best skill position player. To me that is very much Clyde edwards Lair. and I think you got to plan to really run the offense maybe a little bit more run heavy, maybe a little bit more get the ball into hands the hands of edwards Lair and Williams, and hope that opens things up for Josh Gordon, who before he was on the COVID list had just scored a touchdown and said, I have to play a little bit looser. I'm feeling okay about that. Me and Patrick Mahomes are are coming along. And this team is prepared to go at it with these talented running backs, Josh Gordon, Byron Pringle, and Demarcus Robinson. As scary as that might sound, I I still think that this team is capable of beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And speaking on Josh Gordon, we'll get to that a little bit later if we talk to Ron Kopp, because you did ask Patrick Mahomes, about Josh Gordon and, and the possible uh, extra good of Josh Gordon this week. We'll yeah. get to that in just a little bit. But coming up next, though, Ron Kopp, he's the lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. We'll ask him about the Chiefs game plan versus Steelers next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com, Pete Sweeney. What's up? Joining us now, Ron Kopp. He's the lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, and he was in here last week while Pete was playing around in Los Angeles. <laughs> out. Good evening, Ron. Interesting week to analyze because I think you're analyzing guys that might play, might not play, and we've been talking about the Chiefs game plan. Like, how on earth do you even put a game plan in when you don't know who's playing? Uh, yeah, uh, especially this week, Tyreek and Travis being the names. I think the game plan right now, it sounds like, is run the dang ball, run that thing a lot, especially against the Steelers' defense that's been, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, they have not, they have a lot, a lot of rushing yards this year. So, uh, yeah, I'd say if there is any game plan to make, as you're right, I mean, what kind of game plan can you make when your two best offensive players may not even be playing and the guys behind them have not very, been very impressive all season. It's kind of been a complaint around all Chiefs' kingdom. Uh, the receivers behind Kelsey and Hill. So I would say right now, if they're going in with the team they got, run the, the heck out of the ball and, and see what happens, play some good defense. That would, that would be the, the, the game plan right now if you could make one. You know what, though, Ron? That's, this is where the Steelers are extremely weak. Um, the running game. You know, I know that they drafted Najee Harris, you know, this year, and he's got over 800 yards, but still 3.6. They're still the 31st best running team in the NFL. That's bad. And they were 32nd last year against the run. The Steelers, 31st in run defense. They're not good. They're not good at stopping the run. So what you're saying, Ron, is exploit their weakness. And by the way, Devin Bush is on this COVID list for the Steelers. Yeah, I would, I would say, uh, you know, if, if you're talking about the Chiefs defense against the Steelers run offense, and you mentioned Ozzie Harris's underwhelming stats, I would say, yeah, it's definitely a, a good strategy to let or try to or force Big Ben to uh, try and beat you, I, I would say. You know, uh, Big Ben with the ball in his hands this year. Um, he, he's making good throws, man. It's not all bad. Uh, he, he's had some, some up-and-down performances. You know, the, the reason they, they seem to always come back in these games, even when in the first half they look like, you know, they shouldn't even be on the field. It's because he can still toss the ball around a little bit. He can throw it around the yard. Um, but you'd way rather that be happening. You know, Big Ben kind of throwing up some, some ducks, you know, giving you some turnover opportunities. 
rather than let Najee Harris kind of get going, get in a rhythm, because he is a really special player. But, man, he is not in the right situation right now with, with how unimpressive that offensive line is. And just obviously, like I just mentioned, every defense is willingness to just let Big Ben beat him. Najee's just not getting a lot of space. I kind of feel bad for him. Uh, you know what, though, Ron? Everything. It is funny that the run defense is worse than the Chargers. <laughs> it's worse than the Chargers. Like, how does that even happen? But it is. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, no. We're talking with, with Ron Kopp, our, our lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. You'd mentioned the, the plan to run the offense a bit more through Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They would, on third down, run it a little bit through Daryl Williams. Of the pass catchers that are left here, so take out Travis Kelsey, take out Tyreek Hill, who do you have the most confidence in right now if Patrick Mahomes needs an outlet? <laughs> man, <laughs> That question, man, I, I, you wish there was a better answer, right? You is there any answer to it? Yeah, you wish there was an answer like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy has a chance to step up. You know, a guy like Nicole Hardman hasn't had the opportunity to, you know, we, we saw in, in his rookie year when Tyreek Hill was injured, you know, McCole did have, you know, a few a few big plays yeah. in that stretch. He, he probably some of his most productive, productive stretch of his entire career. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of want to mention him maybe, but, there's just nothing that kind of shows you or tells you from this year that, that he can really step up and actually be a guy you want to target, you know, 10 or 12 times in a game. Josh Gordon, man, you'd love to see it. He, he kind of got on a, you know, he got his first touchdown catch with Kansas City, might get him in a rhythm, then he goes out with COVID. And then so you don't know, maybe that set him back a little bit. Um, but this, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say Gordon. I mean, I'll, I'll say it, Gordon, because I do yeah. think it's a great opportunity for him. A guy, like I said, just got a first touchdown catch, you know, the, the offense, maybe kind of setting in for him a little more. Um, and, and this is a prime opportunity where, you know, maybe Mahomes doesn't want to force it to Gordon in, in other situations when he has Kelsey and Hill. But when he doesn't have them, he kind of has no other choice, and it might just be a good chance for, to really see what Gordon can do when he's forced at the ball a little more. I tend to agree. To me, Gordon had been coming along before he went on the COVID list, a six foot three, 230-some-odd pound target, and what better time to really reinvigorate your career than this opportunity without – Tyreek Hill without Travis Kelsey. I want to ask you about two guys who will be back, because I know we're going to talk a lot to show about guys who won't be back. What do you think, and we're just assuming here, but Gay off the COVID list, Legarius Sneed back in the mix. What do you think the addition of Gay and Sneed back into this defense could mean against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Man, it is huge. Uh, it is it is really big. Those Both of those guys impact the quick passing game so much. Uh, you know, the Cowboys game was a perfect example of how Sneed, you know, on, the, on these quick screens, these quick throws, Sneed can just beat a block real quick and all of a sudden be on top of the guy before he can even think about turning up field with the ball. And that's exactly what the Steelers want to do. Big Ben has the lowest time to throw per next-gen stats in the entire NFL. <laughs> so that means, you know, when the ball snaps, he's throwing it quick, quicker from that snap than any other quarterback in the NFL. And it's because they don't want him holding on to the ball. It's a design thing. You know, that offense... They want to get the ball out of his hands quick because the longer it's in his hands, the worse things can get for the Steelers. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of a guy that, that will definitely, you know, give up the ball in the pocket or just take a, a bad sack. So those strategies to get the ball out quick. And guys like Gay and Steve with their athleticism at the second level, you know, those are guys that can jump routes. Those are guys that can take advantage of, you know, Ben just kind of getting it out real quick right. without really even maybe thinking about what's going on with the defense, just trying to get it out. Because maybe a guy like Jones is in his face or, or former Pittsburgh Steeler Melvin Ingram, you know, getting getting in on him. So, yeah, I, I do think this could be a, a big chance for Snead and Gay to make a huge impact because the Steelers do want to just get 
the ball out really quick to their tight ends, to their receivers at the line of scrimmage, and both those guys make a lot of plays close to the line of scrimmage. Ron, what do you make of the Steelers? Seven, six, and one. That one tie they had was against the Lions, but it was once again COVID because Ben Roethlisberger was out of that game and Mason Rudolph started it. But I will say this. You know, they, they've stumbled and bubbled. The Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team. But I will say this. Three of the four losses of the Chiefs, the Steelers have beaten those teams. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Titans. And uh, they beat the Buffalo Bills this year. So, I mean, I don't know what to make of the Steelers because, again, three of their four uh, teams they beat are teams the Chiefs lost to. You know what? The Steel- what the Steelers are, if they had any other head coach, I think they wouldn't be a very good team at all, and this would be one of the worst teams in the NFL. But I really think Mike Tomlin just makes that big a difference. He really just gets the most out of the guys he has. They have a lot of talent, so I don't maybe not the worst, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL. But I just I, I can't see how they can be seven six and one when you look at you know some of the ways their offense you know can't move the ball and, and some of the ways their defense. We already mentioned the run defense. This team shouldn't probably be even in the playoff race, but I, I think it, it shows a lot. You know, it tells you a lot about Mike Tomlin. This team always plays their competition, which you know maybe that's a fault of Mike Tomlin in terms of tying with the Lions and, and, and having these close games with teams you should probably be beating more. But then on the flip side, no matter how good the team is, it seems like the Steelers are always in it, even when they're down. That Vikings game a couple weeks ago, they're down 29 nothing in the first half and somehow come all the way back to make it you know, a game that comes down to you know, a, a final play in the last minute. So this team is always going to make it a tough game no matter who they're playing. I think it gives a lot of credit to Tomlin. He just, he just gets it done, man. And this team plays really hard for them. They're, they're a really just well-coached, sound, fundamental football team. Obviously, that defense carries them a lot of the time, but there's a team that no matter what, even if the Chiefs were completely healthy, I, I wouldn't be super confident in, in, in it being a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game either way because that's just how the Steelers roll. They just, they just play close games. And one thing about the Steelers is, Ron, you know, last year they started 11-0. Their previous best record of that great organization was 1978 when they were 7-0. And then this year they do it. I've likened it to just trying to squeeze all the blood out of the turnip. Because they haven't hit that reset button. I thought this might be the year they did it, but Ben came back. This team might be, you know, in a weird position because I don't think that quarterback exists in the draft unless mm. they do some thre- trading around. And there's the free agent quarterbacks and guys they could trade for. But do you look at this franchise the same way you did in the past because they just haven't quite hit that reset button yet? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I say, you know, if they didn't have Mike Cullen, it would be one of the worst teams. I, I honestly, it's just because of, of Big Ben. I mean, it's a quarterback league, and Big Ben is legitimately one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the entire NFL <laughs> this season. And I think that's one thing. They, they kind of offered him a, a pay cut that last, this last offseason, and it might have been kind of a way for them to maybe nudge him out of the door, but he took it, and he's, he was willing to play. So, uh, you know, maybe that might have backfired on him a little bit. Um, because as soon as this team does get a, a, a you know a, a younger quarterback, just a quarterback with a better future, a guy that can maybe move a little better, you know, play in, in today's NFL, you know, being a little more mobile, they have the receivers, man. De- Deontay Johnson is, is and Chase Claypool are a good little duo along with Juju Smith-Schuster, although he's a free agent after this season. You know, Pat Fryermuth, who you know we saw the ugly concussion last week, he's a, he's a good player, you know, a, a Pittsburgh guy, you know, Penn State uh, tight end, and, and he was he's been a good rookie this year so far. And they, we know they have the defensive talent. So, yeah, I do think they could be a team that, with you know, a veteran quarterback, we're going to see a few of them on the market this offseason. It could be a, a, could be a, 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 team, a, a place where a quarterback 
that kind of want to go to a well-established place already, a, a, a good culture of a team. It could be a place for them to go and kind of all of a sudden a good quarterback could really raise the level of this team, and, and they could be an actual contender rather than the pretend contender they kind of are right now. Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, joins us each and every Wednesday at 6.15, and I have him a lot on bacon night as well. Thanks a lot, Ron. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you next time. I heard you and uh, Dusty talking. Uh, yeah. Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer because you go to three right. Super Bowls and win two of them, you're in. I heard you mention Eli. He's won two. I think when you win multiple Super Bowls as a quarterback, you're in. Eli, to me, is the most borderline of that class. I think Rivers probably gets in, too. I think all three of those. Yeah, but his two Super Bowl wins are against the Patriots, and one was against Agreed. the undefeated feated Patriots, which yeah. I think carries a lot of water. Yeah, I think they all get in. And his last name being Manning will, will certainly help. I yeah. just I want to note here, because just on that last point, I'm seeing on the Jay Southland toe service text line, if I can get it out Oh, of my about mind. my bangs? No, uh, well, yeah, your bangs are on the way, it looks like. Your bang energy drinks. But my hot take, Aaron Rodgers to the Steelers from the 816. Completely agree. I think Aaron Rodgers is a Steeler next year. They've said that, and also they said Derek Carr, and I just laughed that off. Because, first of all, Carr can't play when it's cold. And it gets cold in Pittsburgh. I'm in, not a Derek Carr guy. January. I mean, I, I, I'm not I've been either, clear I'm about saying. that. You'd almost want to convince big old, <laughs> excuse me here, but old ass Big Ben back for another year. So you're not buying the one of three quarterbacks that 4,000 yards passing? No, those I, years, no. I think you're better off even another year of Big Ben than Carr. But I, I think Rodgers is eventually a stealer. Coming up next, though, Pete Sweeney and I dive into uh, oh, the action. A couple of the players making their name in the National Football League. Greatest of all time or not? We discuss that next. Listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We didn't wear we didn't weigh their circumstances, no. Um, we weighed our circumstances. Uh, not only the tangible element of our circumstances, but the intangible quality that makes up team. Like I mentioned, when we moved them, we had an opportunity to get value for them. And so that was entertaining and interesting to us. But also, to be quite honest with you and blunt, Melvin no longer wanted to be here. And for us, uh, we prefer volunteers as opposed to hostages. And, and, and we believe that that's a formula that really allows us to come together in ways that you can't measure, to do the things that we were able to do last week, to smile collectively in the face of adversity and do what's required to get out of stadiums with necessary wins. And so that's just more of a function of us and the things that we value and less about Kansas City, the things that they needed, or the, or, or the prospects of playing them later in the season. There's Mike Tomlin talking about Melvin Ingram. <laughs> I can listen to him talk. He's, he goes crazy on this thing. We, prefer, we don't want to, we don't want to hold <laughs> well, him hostage that, with guys. But the hostage thing is a thing he, he says over the years. Like that is not. No, I know he is a 30 yeah. minute press conference and it, it, he goes on and on yeah. about everybody. But you know, he's going to be asked about the Ingram question right. as far as that's concerned. He's trying to, to contender and now he's trying to get into the playoffs and has to face Melvin Ingram. I saw a column in the what Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I saw the tweet right. about Ingram's having the same effect in Kansas City as Pittsburgh. Stat-wise, maybe, but his influence the Kansas City Chiefs. Box scar stat. But, but but his influence has been a lot greater than we know. It's pressure-wise and stuff like that. In a way that he's influenced teammates, he's been a huge addition. Yeah, there was a, a Pittsburgh writer, and we, we don't need to even reference his name for the article, but he essentially said, yeah, he has the same amount of sack numbers and didn't really dig into any of the pressures, clearly didn't watch any of the film of how Melvin Ingram has impacted the fellow players on the line, I, I think both in, in attitude and, and just an overall, I think, feeling that they can get to the quarterback at any given time. And also, 
setting the edge on, on a lot of these running backs. Running backs in general, there's been problems with the Chiefs all year, but running backs in general have not significantly damaged the Chiefs, I'd, I feel, in most games, right? And why is that? I, I think it starts up front. And what Melvin Ingram has, at least right now, with this opportunity is, is being one of the more dangerous players on the line, especially given the fact that Chris Jones is at this time, as we're talking right now, still on the COVID-19 list. So Melvin Ingram is going to play a huge role. Not that Chris Jones is playing more on the edge in most games right now, but still, I, I just think in, in general impact that you can have on the line, to me, this, this screams, especially if Jones can't get back, as a Ingram slash Clark type of game where they're going to have to set the tone. And he's got the green light, too. If People have been saying Chris Jones has moved exclusively, exclusively the inside. That's not true. The last game he played, 23 snaps on the outside, 16 inside. Melvin Ingram does make a difference, though, because he can line up wherever, and sometimes that does force Chris Jones to the inside or outside wherever he, he goes. On the offense, I heard you and Ron Comp talking about uh, Josh Gordon. Mm. And I will say this, you know, Byron Pringle, he was second leading uh as far as snap count to yep. Tyreek Hill yep. in two games there with the uh, Broncos and the Raiders, he's just slightly behind Demarcus Robinson against the Chargers. But he might be an influence of this game, and you're expecting Josh Gordon. Here was your uh, question to Patrick Mahomes about Josh Gordon, who's, by the way, off the COVID list today. The next to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Patrick, we've talked to <laughs> you and, and Josh Gordon about how he's coming along, and, and kind of it's been in a, a complimentary role. Now you, you may be without Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill just – where do you feel like Gordon is at maybe in an, an expanded role and what gives you confidence that he might be ready for that? Yeah, I mean, the confidence I have is that he's done it before. I mean, he's been able to go out there and produce at a high level in this league. Um, and so he still has the talent. He still has the work ethic. Um, and now it's about it. It's, now it's about just going out there and getting more opportunities. And so uh, um, hopefully we, we were able to get Travis and Tyreek back, but if not, I, we have other guys that will step up and uh, kind of take on those roles and, and part here, receiver there, receiver there, running backs, tight ends. Um, and we'll find a way to try to make up for that production that we're missing. This is a legacy game for these guys, man. You go out there and just, you know, light up with these other guys and he's one, two with backup players. Like he did in Denver, his first ever start in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes has, and you know, Andy Reid and if Eric Bianney, all these guys can, you know, bring that status up by winning without your star players and what well, they might get someone back. We don't know who's yeah, going to be back or not. But the bottom line is, is it's a mess right now because you don't know definitively for your game plan. And a guy like Josh Gordon might be more in the picture this week. I mean, you know, you could call it a legacy game and I don't necessarily disagree. You could even go as literal as a money game, right? Josh Gordon, when he was looking for a team and looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, said he wanted to be here for years, plural. Has he convinced the Chiefs that he should be here for years? No, he has not yet. McCole Hardman, he's going to be going into the last year. I think of, he's reminding him that Sorry, kept going to 208. Yeah, I mean, look, he, I mean, he same thing with McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman going into the last year of his contract here next year, has he convinced the Chiefs that he deserves some type of an extension? Like a lot of people would say. Orlando def Brown's Definitely thing. not. Orlando Brown is another one where, you know, you could make some holes for a Clyde Edwards-Elair type of game. You look at Byron Pringle, and it has seemed since the bye week that the Chiefs have leaned in a little bit more into Byron Pringle. He is an unrestricted free agent in 2022. So you could say legacy game, and I don't disagree. I think if the Chiefs go out there with their version of the replacements, and to me, this game would be really in our memory if Kelsey and Hill both are inactive for it. And say they go out there with their version of the replacements on offense, I think they could change a lot of minds 
maybe inside the building if these particular skill players want to remain Chiefs. And then, hey, if the money is not going to work out and the Chiefs are paying Patrick Mahomes a lot of money, then maybe this game for a Gordon, for a Hardman, for a Pringle could convince one of those other 31 teams, look, we, we could play a role for you. We deserve a little bit of, of money here when we become a free agent. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons for these skill guys to stand out. Another question I had for you, Pete, is Travis Kelsey. And I've talked about this on several times, whether it's in the morning this week and different yeah. times. You know, six straight at 1,000 yards, which had only been done three times ever in, in Greg Olson. So he's doubled his own record, six straight. I look at guys like Shannon Sharp, did it three times with 1,000 yards. Not in order. Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, Robert Murkowski, they'll have four 1,000-yard seasons. Not in order. Travis Kelsey's put six together. Now, career-wise, he's got a way to go. Tony Gonzalez has over 15,000 yards receiving. Travis Kelsey's a little bit under nine. He's... Tony Gonzalez has 1,325 catches. Travis Kelsey sitting with 695. So it, it, at his age, it's going to be tough, you know, mm-hmm. to get to those like career numbers. But still, when you do it six straight times and you're seventh in the NFL in receiving yardage, last year he was number two. The year before that, he was number one in the AFC. He's making a strong case to be the greatest, not just a Hall of Famer. I think he's already in there. He's making a, a case to be the greatest of all time. I think without a doubt, and I, I think – Part of it, and we were talking about this in the Hall of Fame for uh, the quarterbacks in that draft class, it's going to be the championships. And, and so long as he's here for you know the next series of, of years, and I don't see any other reason why to believe that he would be moving on anywhere. I mean, I, I think he, you can assume almost he at least gets one more title. And so you know, you're talking about a guy who uh, could potentially win multiple titles. He already has the one. And then just being, I think, Patrick Mahomes' right-hand man and really his go-to target for most of the years that Mahomes uh, has been, in a sense, in the early part of his prime here, I, I think is huge for him. And you know, I look at his age, and, and sure, he's he's 32, but Tony G played till he was 37. So Travis is at, at 9,000 yards now. He's about 6,000 short of what will be Tony He'll pass Rob Gronkowski. I think there is Those a two are going back and forth. Yeah, I think the, I think it, there's a potential for for Kelsey to get close because in talking to him over the years, when I've had you know these opportunities here and there to to go one on one in conversations with him, I'll tell you I, he has no plans to retire anytime soon. This is one of those players where it, it seems to me. And, you know, I guess this attitude can change as the years go on. But right now, his body's going to have to break down for him to be like, I'm done. I, I understand he's approaching what will be his mid-30s now, but I, I, I tend to think he's going to keep going. And if he keeps going, we keep saying the same thing uh, about a guy like like Tom Brady. Obviously, very different positions, but everyone is assuming and waiting for Travis Kelsey to stop putting up these thousand-yard years. And it just has not happened yet. And so long as he can stay healthy, I, I don't see when they will stop. You can play. I mean, the tight end position, you can historically play a little bit longer than you can maybe as a wide receiver or running back. So Kelsey still can, can I think, get close. And it's just going to come to, I think, at the end, how long can he stay healthy in what will be his late 30s? And I wouldn't count him out yet for for that Tony number. I know it'll be tough, and I agree with you, Bing, but I wouldn't count him out completely yet. Yeah, Kelsey, six all-time in yardage. He goes back and forth with Gronk. Gronk at 9,011. Kelsey, 8,947. 
Total catches, Tony Gonzalez, 1325, as I mentioned. Travis Kelsey, 695. Travis Kelsey, fifth all-time in receptions. Obviously, she and Sharp the, in the in Antonio. The Gates. interesting thing there is very look, catchable for him. Yeah, as you look, Bank is if you if you go by the yardage per game, Kelsey's at seventy one. Yeah, well, yeah, because Tony G's at fifty six. Right. So think but about the hundred eleven touchdowns. Yeah. Kelsey fifty five. Again, longevity helped him. Sure. Yeah. No. I and that's going to help Kelsey do the same type of thing, and and I think you know, and and this is obvious, but I'm going to say it out loud. If Kelsey can get past Tony Tony G, there's no argument, right? I mean, there's no argument. None. And I don't even think there's an argument at this point. I don't know. Yeah, drafting I, I, these agree. guys, I agree. it'd be Kelsey. Coming up next, though, don't forget to ask Pete. Hashtag ask Pete. Pete questions. Updated look at where the playoff standings sit. We'll get to that, and we'll get to the bottom of uh, Pete's chargers and how far they can go next. <laughs> oh, You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney. Updated playoff pictures we sit right now, Pete. It is... It is the Kansas City Chiefs at that number one seed. Number two seed, yeah. Tennessee Titans. And if the Buffalo Bills, let's say if the Buffalo Bills beat the Patriots this week. Do you think that's going to happen? I'm just saying. if they, No, I don't. I think the Patriots are going to win. But if the Bills won, they'd be the third seed. The Patriots would go all the way to the fifth seed. We're talking about those here who's, in the first seed. Who's favored in that game? What's that? Who's favored between the Patriots and the Bills? Do we know? The Patriots are, I believe. Yeah, I would think so. They're home. Yeah, the Patriots, and they beat them last time in, in Buffalo by only throwing three passes. Three-pass game. And you know what? The Patriots were beaten by five completions against the Colts this past weekend. But yeah. what would you make of those games? Because everything that possibly could go in the Chiefs' favor, I thought, did, perception-wise. Obviously, the, the Colts um, beating the Patriots is huge. It put the Chiefs back. up. They were already the one seed, but it kept them there. And then with the Titans losing the Steelers, that was great. And then the perception game, while these NFC, quote, powers – the uh, Packers struggled to beat a depleted Ravens team. I mean, completely depleted team. They yeah. were losing guys. As they could have lost on that the day. I know, but then Jimmy Smith was out of that I game. Know. They kept losing because Jimmy Watkins on the COVID. The Ravens, deserve, and, the Ravens for this year deserve a lot of credit. I mean, they they have had been they've been decimated for what, for what they're doing. And for the years that we gave the Chargers, you know, where they were losing all these players and and they didn't make the playoffs, and and there were a lot of excuses built in for the Chargers. The Ravens have lost just as many guys this year. Their entire team, and they've continued to be competitive. But that was a perception game. By the way, the uh, Patriots, two-and-a-half-point favorites with the Bills. But, yeah. then, but then the uh, Buccaneers, the number one scoring offense in the NFL, got shut out by a 6-7 and seven team at home. And so far this year, <laughs> the Patriots so have lost, or the Buccaneers have lost twice to the Saints. Andy Reid is 35-6 and six against yeah. the division since 15. The Buccaneers are already 25% of that, or a third of that, against the Saints this season. So they were shut out there. And then the Cardinals losing to the Lions in epic fashion. I mean, nobody, I mean, the Chiefs were just looking so good with that Thursday night game against the Chargers. But the playoff picture remains right now. Chiefs are the one seed. Patriots right now the two. Titans the third. Bengals the fourth. And then the Colts fifth. Chargers sixth. Bills seventh seed. And this could have all changed had the Raiders missed that field goal. The Browns won that game. Browns would have been the fourth seed. Buffalo would have been out of the playoffs. Had that happened, but obviously all the guy what eighteen What's, guys on this COVID. Is, this is a wild AFC because say, say the Browns do make that and they go all the way up, 
they're in 12th right now. So that field goal was the difference between 4th and, and 12th. And playing with Nick Mullins. I mean, Unreal. they lost two quarterbacks. I mean, COVID hit that team hard. Let's go really quickly here. So if the season ended today, it would be the Patriots and the Bills playing at New England in that wild card game. That's New England. Tennessee would be playing the Chargers in Tennessee. They may be getting Derrick Henry back. I would still go Chargers. What would you go in that? You know, I, I'd probably go Chargers there too. I I just well, I mean, I had my issues with both of them, but I'd go Chargers then. Bengals and Colts in Cincinnati. I'd probably go the the Colts at that. Yeah, point. I like the Colts. Here's the thing: a lot of people are talking about the Patriots losing to the Colts. Yeah, I looked at it the other way. The, the Colts are a team I liked before the season started. They've blown three games, Pete. They had a ten point lead over the Buccaneers, blew that game. They had a ten point lead over the Titans, a fourteen point lead over the Titans. Actually, they lost that lead three times. Carson Wentz threw a interception in his own one yard line. And they blew a 19-point lead at the Ravens. But I think of all games, the Colts' star rose higher than I think a lot of people right. thought after that game. The game was more about them to me because they're a team I think could definitely do some damage in the postseason. That would lead, if we have the Patriots and Colts playing, that would lead in the divisional round to the Chiefs and Chargers for round three at Arrowhead. I think we both would give the slight edge to the Chiefs, in my opinion. I, I think they they would win round three at Arrowhead Stadium. They probably could have won that that first game with the Chargers. Who would you give in a rematch in the divisional round between New England and Indy? The game would be played in New England. In New England, unless Buffalo has something to say about that. We've already eliminated Buffalo, though. We've eliminated Buffalo. Okay. Um, you know what? I would like to, again, I think the Colts can create some damage. It was a definite mismatch. Frank Reich does things against Belichick that other coaches don't do. He yeah. he did it to him in the Super Bowl when he's offensive coordinator of the Eagles. They had no answer for him, didn't have an answer for him Saturday night until very late in the game. Let's give you a Jonathan Taylor special. I think I'd go New England there. But that's where we would, that's our first disagreement. So it would be New England or Indy going into Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC title game. I think we agree here that I, I think we take the Chiefs against either of those teams at Arrowhead, right? I mean, yep. right now. So, you know, you could be looking at a nice road for the Chiefs. It's not going to be easy when you think about that in, in who they would have to play. It would have to, um, you know, end up being the Chargers and then either the Colts or the Patriots. Uh, and the winner, of course, would would play Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota. No, just kidding. I don't know who would come out of the <laughs> NFC. But it would not be Minnesota, and uh, that would be your Super Bowl. So, you know, I, I, I think, it, you know, you got to see how this weekend goes. There's a lot of mystery to it. So feel good about the Chiefs. I really do. So long, I'm going to say this with an asterisk, so long as Mr. Patrick Mahomes stays off the COVID list, knock on wood, right, knock on all the wood, I think you're still feeling good about the Chiefs to beat the Steelers and then to to take care of business in that, those last two games. The way I have it, if the, the predictions this week, Chiefs over the Steelers, Bengals over the Ravens, Colts over the Cardinals, Niners over the Titans, Patriots over the Bills, it would be... Chiefs still at one, Patriots yeah. at two, but the Bengals would be the three seed, Titans would be the four seed, but Buffalo would be back in the postseason even with a loss to the Patriots if, if the Bengals <laughs> beat the Ravens. I know that sounds weird, but if the Bengals I'm sure won, everyone in their car has that written down. If the Bengals, if the Ravens did find a way to beat the Bengals, don't they write, could find themselves still back in the playoffs. Don't write and drive. I know you, you need to keep Bink's picks, but just just listen to us on the podcast instead, right? Yeah, 100%. Who's the best in the NFC, in your opinion? This is a peak question for the 816. Best in the NFC, I want to say the Rams, but I just they keep giving me reasons not to believe in them. 
I'm going to stick with the Rams. The The Chiefs over the Rams was my preseason Super Bowl pick. Mine was Packers and Chiefs. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I do believe he's the MVP. Uh, it didn't look good against the Ravens. The Buccaneers. You don't like a Cooper Cup MVP? I liked him in a mock draft a couple years ago. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Here we I wish go. You find all these, you, man. You'll always be a Deshaun you know, Watson guy. You're a Watson guy. You, know, you wanted no, Watson. I was, I was Mahomes. You, you, should, you should have seen Bing's face when the Chiefs drafted I mean, just Mahomes. why? Tell her I said the said, draft when the fifth round the Bills. Was, I mean, Deshaun Watson pro. was right there. I said, Bing, don't no, worry. No, that's not true. You're lying to the people, Pete. <laughs> well, this was fun. We will podcast this out. Arrowhead Pride uh, Radio. Chris and Ocero, great job for Thanks, you Chris. producing the operation. Ron Kopp from ArrowheadPride.com, the lead analyst, joined us tonight. Big thanks to him. He joins us each and every week. We're starting to get into the, the finishing rounds of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, three more games remaining for the Chiefs. And, of course, we'll have you covered throughout the postseason as well on Arrowhead Pride. Happy birthday, Radio. Mom. Got to get that out. Oh, happy birthday to Pete's mom. That's right. Definitely. Happy birthday. Shout out Big Pete, Pete's dad, anyway. Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, Pete. We'll see you all later. Guess what's coming up next, Pete? What's that? Pink at night next. All right.